This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me as always is the man, the myth, the legend, the president of The Witness, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? Hey, man, it is a good day. Do you know why? Why is it a good day, bro? Because as we record this, the Black Panther has been released to the masses. He's in the wild. He's in the wild now. <laughs> See, this is the thing. A couple of episodes ago, I was like, man, we're going to get in a Black Panther reference in every single episode of this podcast. We stepped away from it for a little bit, I think. <laughs> yes. But here's, here's what we did. We supplemented that by giving you all a Black Panther podcast, literally a podcast yes. just about Wakanda. So, Yeah, yeah let's that's... shout that out. If y'all haven't listened to it, We've got what there's six episodes that that y'all recorded. They didn't include me because apparently I didn't know enough, but that's okay. I learned a lot. No, nah, I mean, don't even <laughs> don't even don't even go there. See, if you would have asked to be on, we would have been like, ah, okay, blue check verified. Ask yeah. to be on. So gotta, <laughs> yeah, but it's called Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. You can look it up in all your favorite podcast apps. And we're also doing we've already recorded an Infinity War spoiler discussion that talks about and critique some of the, the ways they included Black Panther in that story. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that, man. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. Like, it to me, <laughs> I'm 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 like I'm I'm real uh, uptight about it because it's such a cultural moment in my mind that mm-hmm. I'm a little bit afraid that when it comes home, we'll just start clicking through it and skipping scenes and treating it just like any other movie. Like to me, this is nah. like just fine china that you, you it's delicate and when you bring it out it's a special occasion you know what i mean there's just something you so know, special about it you know that's very interesting we're going to kind of talk about the way we consume art in today's episode but i don't know i feel like it's such a good movie you can you can treat it like that or you can treat it like it's a cookout movie like i feel like it's going to be the go to family reunion in the background movie and then if we need to watch it, we can. We can turn it up and be like, man, remember that scene where Killmonger did this or M'Baku did that? I think that's that's really going to – it's going to become like a coming to America situation, I think. But I don't think it has to be viewed in the sense of like, oh, man, it's this revered art form. I think you can take it that way, but I don't think it's a requirement, which is what makes the movie so great to me. So I mean, I agree. It's going to be like, you know, different strokes for different folks. But to me, I mean, we got movies like – Friday and coming to America for the cookout. This one strikes me more as like, okay, let's sit down and watch the African Americans many rivers to cross. Nah, bro, this is not roots, bro. This is not roots. Look, this is not roots, Jamar. Not that it's like depressing because it's, but it's to the degree that all those other movies are sober and sombering for their reality. This is uplifting because of the new reality that it creates. And I just don't want to lose Man, it's that. A, 
Man, it's a comic book movie. Man, it's a really dope comic book movie. Yeah, but it's and I think not it's a really just good a movie. comic book movie. It, it, but it, at its core, it's a comic book movie. It's not just a comic book movie, but it's a comic book movie. And so for me, I feel like, hey, man, enjoy it for what it is. Nobody's going to Wakanda. Like, it's a great escape for us. It's Afrofuturism. We love that. But we recognize it's limited in what it can accomplish. So for me... I, I will, there will probably be some times where I'll sit down and watch it and it'll be a very reverent experience. It'll be a lot of, a lot of deep introspection, but then there'll be other times where I'm like, yo, I just want to put this on just because, you know, I want to clean the house and I want some dope in the background. Well, look, like, I, I guarantee you, I'm going to skip to the scene where Sherry says, don't scare me like that colonizer. I'll be watching that on repeat. No doubt. Of but, course. Yeah. You need a ringtone for that. <laughs> but you know, there's, there's, there was just, I just, I can remember when it came out, we were doing a pass the mic live and uh, in Dallas and, and we watched it. Hold up. Wait, no, Pensacola. Pensacola. Get the cities right. Okay. <laughs> see, yo, you did some my city again. We need to move on to the topic because, see, look, you about look, to get look. in trouble. <laughs> look, consume it as you will. I'm just saying, today is a good day. No, I totally understand. And we're talking about Black Panther because it leads into this whole idea of if you're new to Pass the Mic, we occasionally do these one off episodes where we talk about cultural artifacts that we think mean something to the moment and we want to just chime in on or we want to reflect on or we want to glean something from or critique or what have you. We've done it with Luke Cage. We've done it with other comic book uh, series of movies and just comic books in general, comic book characters. We affectionately call it here past the remote. So if this is the first time you've heard this, it's going to be a little bit off the beaten path. We're just reflecting on art because it's a, a current cultural conversation, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's something that we saw publicly and we wanted to talk about This Is America, a new song slash music video by Donald Glover slash Childish Gambino, whichever one you prefer. Donald Glover is his government name. Childish Gambino is his artist name. And so Donald Glover was hosting SNL recently, and he performed the song and without releasing the video and then released the video. And it's blown up social media, blown up Twitter and regardless of what you think about it, you have to admit the brother knows how to get some people talking. So when you heard This Is America, when you saw it, did you hear it first? Did you see it? How did you get hip to it, Jamar? I saw the video first. I had actually watched all the I didn't watch SNL live when he did it, but I watched like all the video clips of his skits and was just busting up. They were really great. He's a superb actor. And then somehow or other came across the video, which I, I didn't even know he had uh, released the song on the night that, that he hosted SNL. And I think I was doing something else at the time, but whatever I was doing, I stopped. And it was one of those things where you just have a sense that what you're watching is meaningful. Like it's, it's so stark, even the visuals, even though it's very simple, it's one of these continuous shot videos. So you don't have a break uh, visually or auditorially, you're, you're, there's constant action, and then you know the first. Look at you, Jamal. Continue, <laughs> continuous shot. Okay, I see you. Yeah, look, look, look at you. A little bit of tension, but just what's so striking is is uh, Childish Gambino himself. I mean, he's shirtless. He's got his afro going on. He's dancing in in a really interesting way, mixing up different styles and whatnot. And so you've got to watch it like minimum three times all in a row mm -hmm. because something's going to pop out at you every other time. So when I saw it, it was just, when I first saw it, it was just one of those things like, wait a minute, he's really making a statement here. I don't know what he's saying yet, but I know I need to sit down and listen. So that's how it struck me. 
you know, the first thing that struck me about this video is I got to blame Donald Glover because what we're going to see over the summer is now all these dad bods from these dudes dancing shirtless. Because hey. now since Donald Glover dance, see, I knew you. <laughs> see, we didn't, even, listen, we didn't even talk about this before. We just said we need to get on and record and talk about This Is America. But we didn't talk about our thoughts. We I don't know what Jamar thinks. He doesn't know what I think. None of that. But here's what I knew. I said, Jamar going to be like, yeah, <laughs> let's do that. Put us on, put dad bods on no. the map. No, bro. Like, no, no. No, bro. We don't need that. Don't Y'all don't do that. Okay? Donald can get away with it. Y'all just, just don't. I'm, I'm trying to look out for you Look, y'all. I loved it, man. The, the, the dude was just black and free. Like, the whole thing uh, from... That was dope. That was joy. I I appreciated that that element of it. But you know, I'm just saying, don't get no <laughs> don't get no ideas, people. But I should ask you this before before we keep going. What do you think about Donald Glover? Like, what's your what's your opinion of man? Donald I Glover? need to throw that to you. You're the one who's all um, into the culture and whatnot. Uh, what I Donald Glover is is a virtuoso, and so he's mm. able to act right dance a little bit and um and 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 do music sing rap yeah all that yeah i see the thing about donald glover with me is i like newer donald glover i like this new iteration of donald Uh glover um but previously i did not like childish gambino i think childish gambino was very immature i think childish gambino was very misogynistic um, I think Childish Gambino was very problematic. And it's not to say that Donald Glover is not any of those things, which we'll talk about later. But I think the first time I looked at Donald Glover and I said, yo, I really appreciate what he's doing here is Atlanta. Yeah. And so we talked about it before. It was one of my top, it's pretty much my top five and my top five cultural artifacts every single year. But the show Atlanta on FX, which is not kid viewing at all, it's not family television, but it's a phenomenal story of... Um, some cousins and a particular guy who's trying to make it in the music industry and um, just real life. And so it's just real Atlanta life. It's very reminiscent. It is, he has this way of of merging textures that I think is so brilliant. So he merges the simultaneous hilarious things that are going on with real life, with, you know, just regular stuff what that people are going through with police brutality, with all kinds of things. So you could be laughing one minute, be stunned into silence the next. And it's very unique. It's it's one of my favorite television shows because you never quite know what you're going to get with it. So as soon as he started making Atlanta um, and then came out with the album Awaken My Love, where he sings instead of raps, I said, okay, well, I can kind of appreciate what he's doing. And I appreciate, I've always appreciated the fact that he's brilliant and he's talented. But I can kind of appreciate now this a little bit more mature version, what I think maybe is a little bit more mature version of who he is and what he's presenting to us. But This Is America is a huge step up and a huge step out for him because it's the first time I think people have really on a mass scale said, wow, look at this guy. Look at what he's doing. He's brilliant. He's a genius. And it reminds me of when Kendrick came out, Kendrick Lamar came out with All Right, the right. song All Right. And that was kind of his step out into, and he, and people knew about him, but it was like his first step out into, wow, this dude's a genius with the visuals, with the song, with the catchiness, with the way it connects to the current Black Lives Matter movement. And so this is America. Now we need to talk about a number of different things, but you hinted on the dancing and I, I would love to start there. 
the the movement and the rhythmic the rhythmic visuals of this this video it was very captivating and i think it was intended to be captivating for for a number of different reasons but i enjoyed that you said you enjoyed it. i'd love to hear you build on that a little bit you more. know it gets to what you were saying about atlanta the show that he acts in and and writes in and just being textured and so in the video it's a similar deal to where there are all these layers what I think is going on, and this is sort of a Rorschach test. I mean, you know, part of what makes art great is that so many people can have so many different perspectives on the same thing. And so one of my perspectives is this very free, uninhibited, um, eye-catching, as you said, dancing, where immediately your eyes are drawn to the singular figure of Childish Gambino in the video, but in the back, there's chaos reigning. And so it, it, it's it's mm-hmm. as if, and he's talking about this is America and really, I, I think, making a commentary on this is America for black people. It's, it's visually capturing that dissonance that we feel as black people to where we're just going on trying to live our lives. We're going on trying to have fun and dance through life and experience joy. In the meantime, there's all this chaos going on in the background that actually affects us, which we see at the very end of the video. And we'll, we can talk about that later. But to me, there were, there were, there were those layers going on that as a black pers- person, no matter what you're doing, no matter if you're in school or you're um, you know, in a relationship or you're at work, whatever you're doing in the background as a black person, there's all always this uh chaos breathing down your neck and he's got this refrain in there that says don't don't catch you slipping and that's the sense right like it, it, yeah. go about your life do what you do but if you slip you can slip back into that chaos that's going on right around you yeah absolutely and and i felt that the dancing was also meant to be particularly in this video a distraction so it's meant to be a distraction from what's happening in the background from the chaos yeah and so I think yes. there were like dual meanings there of, yes, there's there's intense joy. And the dancing was very African, you know, utilizing tribal dances, utilizing. And I loved, for whatever critiques I have about the video itself and the, so- the song is very, is very catchy and it's very unique. I loved yes. the way in which he presented it and even incorporating mm-hmm. different elements of, you know, whether it's trap you know, trap music and yep. things like that yep. with the Afro beats. I really, I enjoyed that part of it. I thought that was, that was brilliant. But before I keep- Yeah, even a choir. Yeah, which we're going to get to in a second. But before I go on, before I go on, I need to say that if you're a part of our PTM private Facebook group, then you'll really appreciate a discussion that Didi in our group, uh, shout out to Didi, started. And I really learned so much about just how to view it and some of the things mm-hmm. that challenged me. So it's just one of the benefits of being a part of the the private uh, PTM Facebook group. You can you can see those things. So go to Facebook and type in past the mic. So shout out to Didi and our moderators, uh, Noel and Ali, for just moderating that discussion and, and giving us so much to think about. But another thing that I liked about the video was that it slowly escalated into chaos. So it starts out, it, it starts out with a violent act, but then when the dancing commences, and you know the kids are imitating everything that the artist is doing, which I think is also symbolic. But as they start to dance, then there's like this slow escalation into like wild chaos, and as it escalates mm-hmm. into wild chaos, 
Glover does more to get our attention. Like his his reactions, his facial expressions are exaggerated even more to take us away from what's going on in the background. And, you know, to even accentuate the fact that we're we're looking to get distracted, you know? And I thought that was that was a very clever device um, for him to use. And then there's also the symbolism. So what symbolism did you see in it? And what did you see that surprised you? Because there were clearly some callbacks to some historical moments and some recent moments as well. Yeah, there was a lot of, so first of all, the violence against black bodies. Um, as, as I recall, all of the, the violence that took place, which was pretty much all gun violence, was directed toward black people in the video, which is certainly a topic, um, a perennial topic, really, among the black community in America. So that that st- stuck out. Just it, if this is America, then certainly as a black person, one of the first things that you point to as characteristic of America is violence against black people. Mm-hmm. Um wanton violence, uh, voluminous violence, which was portrayed in the video. What also struck me was in the background, it's all filmed in a warehouse, which is actually very clean and well-lit warehouse, but it's a warehouse nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And what the background looks like is like an urban uprising. And then there's a scene uh, toward the end of the video where he's on top of a car dancing, just jamming. But all the cars are old fashioned, like (laughs) 80s, 90s cars, (laughs) which it it really put me back in the mind frame of um, Rodney King and the L.A. uprisings Mm. in the 90s. So I don't know if that was intentional or whatnot, but certainly the older cars, I mean, that puts you back not in 2018 per se, but maybe in the mid nineties or somewhere around that. Right. So all of that stuck out. The, the, um, I appreciated what you said about the, the, the school kids who were dancing around him, sort of imitating every him, move is crazy. Yeah. Cause I was like, man, what is that? Because at the first glance I was like, are those prison uniforms or school uniforms? Um, cause it's just a white shirt and gray pants. Mm-hmm. The girls are wearing a skirt, which makes it look um, more like a school uniform, but it was still, I had to, I had to do a double take. And then there's the white horse. That's, of course, uh, <laughs> man. Come on, man. Yo. And so the Glover was raised in Jehovah's Witness context. So, you know, you know, he knows scriptural um, influences and he was very much discipled and steeped in that. So, you know, he understands these, these, that, that was not unintentional. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So alluding to to the book of Revelation and, um, you know, the, the rider coming on a white horse and all that. So that was very visible representation. And then obviously there's the choir scene, which I don't know if you want to segue into that later. But Yeah, but. I'm going to wait just for a second. I do want to mention one more artistic reference and uh, historical reference, and that was Jim Crow. So at the beginning, uh-huh. he shoots. Yeah. Um, uh, a man who's playing a guitar in the back of the head and he does the pose, the Jim Crow pose, which obviously was a symbol used to justify segregation in the deep South. So that was yeah, obvious. Was a yeah. Mm-hmm, a minstrel show. And so it's, it's obvious that there's a connection there. Um, you know, Jim Crow was used to uh, entertain the slaves, but then also was used as just, you know, a fictional character to justify um, segregation. And so there was that. And then there was also the fact that everyone was on their phone. Uh, well, the people up mm. at the top of the warehouse were on their phones. 
Um, and then there was just all the things that were going on in the background. So at one point, at one point, there was a man who jumps off the ledge and you don't see him land, but it's, it's symbolic of suicide. And someone pointed that out. And, and that was a very visceral moment when I saw that, when I caught it in the video, after someone said, hey, look for this at this point in the video, it was very chilling. Um, and then I think the last thing was the way he he makes certain statements within the lyrics that I found really, really perceptive. So he talks about, uh, I think, I feel like he was referencing Stefan Clark when he said, um, that's a celly, that's a tool. So I, th- I felt like he was referencing Stefan Clark when he, s- he was trying to say, oh, that's a, that's a cell phone and mm. that's a gun. Mm. Like just kind of juxt- you know, juxtaposing mm. those two things like, hey, these are two different things. Um, but moving on from the symbolism, I have to say I was, and maybe this is critique, but I was very disturbed by the violence. And I was very disturbed by the fact and it was a topic within even the PTM Facebook group. There was no trigger warning. Right. I think that some of the violence, and this is a maybe a critique of Glover himself, because he's used violence in Atlanta in a way that people have found to be, whoa, like, what are you doing? Um, this season, there was an episode called Teddy Perkins, which was one of the most fascinating television episodes I've ever seen, but that has a very graphic act of violence that you're not prepared for and that sticks with you. And so it's been hard for me to keep watching This Is America because especially the act of violence against Charleston, um, what what we should represent, I'm I'm guessing represents the Charleston Nine, even though there are 10 people there. Um, It was very jarring and it didn't seem to me like something that I wanted to keep watching. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you felt the same way, but the violence to me was a bit was it was a bit much. Yeah, the first so the first scene of violence was uh, like you said before he shoots a man in the back of the head who's sitting down and he started out playing guitar when he gets shot he's he's got a bag over his head and he's actually handcuffed. And that was like, "Oh, whoa." That was just like out of nowhere, but then mm-hmm. when he pulled out the the assault rifle and yeah. shot like the AK choir down. Yeah. yeah. That was that was really disturbing for me. And yeah, mm-hmm. I I definitely felt like, I don't know if I can keep watching this. I don't know what else is going to happen because that was it was so abrupt and there was like yeah. just so there wasn't any lead in and there wasn't much context other than maybe the words which you're trying to keep up with as you're trying to keep up with the visuals which I think is part of the effect of of the whole video like you can't just listen to it. You got to listen to it and watch it. And I think it's that it's that sense of breathlessness of I d- I can't yes. quite you know, grasp everything that's happening because so much is happening right now. And that's almost like, that's almost like the Emmanuel nine felt right. Like you had to deal with the tragedy itself, which again came abruptly and without any warning, but at the same time you had to deal with all the layers going on around it, all the commentators, all the different opinions and perspectives on it, plus all the history that has led up to it. And so I don't know if, if (laughs) Donald Glover had all that in mind, but I think mm. one of the one of the comments on in the Facebook group was, "Does this need a trigger warning?" And yeah. maybe it does. Yeah, and, and I think it does. Um, but 
you know, I, I think if he's trying to show the jarring nature of violence and the way in which we quickly move on, like the fact that the guns were placed into red cloths hmm. um, in, in both instances, then I get that. It's just to me, and, and we'll touch on this maybe a little bit later, uh, if you have critiques, I certainly do. But <laughs> I think it's a, it's a very problematic... It's problematic for me for artists to use violence as a shock factor, like black violence as like, oh, wow, look at this. It's like, well, we lived this. So I don't know if we need to really, you know, uh, do we really need to have this reenacted? I mean, like, is there any other way you can make this point without just very, you know, abruptly doing that? You know, if if you panned away, would it be different? Mm -hmm. And so if he's trying to, to shock a certain type of audience, then I respect that. But you have to understand there's psychological trauma for all of us. There's PTSD that all of us are dealing with to an extent based upon what we've seen in videos. I don't watch videos anymore. I just don't. I don't watch if someone's like, look at this, a police. Listen, I don't need to watch another video to tell me what I already know happens. Yeah. So I'm with you. If you say it happened, I believe you, but I don't have to re-traumatize myself again and again. It's just becoming exhausting. Um, yeah. to do that. I but. mean, there's definitely self-care in there. And I'm the same way. Like, I don't have a blanket moratorium on watching any videos at all, but I don't watch it. I don't have autoplay on my settings and I'm very careful. That's very smart. If yeah, I do it smart. at all. And then I choose when I want to want to do it, if I want to do it at all. And so I'm, I'm with you. Like, there's, there's gratuitous violence and there's a way to use Black death simply for sensationalism. I think in the context of this video, that's probably at least not what he intended. Uh, The effect may be different, but I I don't think that's what Hmm. he intended. And there's also, so this is one of the things that's really difficult for me as I study U.S. history and race relations. It's like, this is ugly, like, ugly brutal history i mean i'm i'm reading descriptions of lynchings of rapes of strategic planning to 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 block people from their political rights um the disgusting things uh folks have said about other human beings the way they've used the bible to subjugate people and i have to do it you know it's almost like it's almost like a doctor that has to look <laughs> at you know human illness um, because that's part of her job in order to heal people. Mm-hmm. They can't look away. And America for so long has looked away from mm-hmm. the violence of black death that only now in this age of cell phone videos and whatnot, are we are we beginning to be sort of in an environment where it's harder and harder to look away. Mm-hmm. And that's just, yeah. I think that's part of the effect of it. Um, again, I don't know what his intention was, but I didn't, I didn't feel like oh, he shouldn't have done that. That's probably precisely why he did that. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to skip. Uh, I want to skip to the end because I want to talk to you about what man. Anyway, I'll save it <laughs> because I one more thing. There's one more thing, and that's that final image, which I yeah. think, which I loved that yeah, final. That image. Regardless of what I thought rich. of the video, I loved that final image. What did you think it meant? Because I think. I don't think it means what everyone thinks it means. Well, what struck me was it was hard to tell if he was running with or away from the people behind him. 
So it was really ambiguous to me, the race of the people. I mean, they they, they certainly weren't cops. They weren't in uniform or, or, or something like that. Authority right. figures that that, that um, have historically intimidated black people or whatever. So that wasn't clear. I wasn't clear if it was all the same people in the video who were just around him, if they were all running away from the same thing or if they were after him. But of course, what sticks out is this this wild look in his eyes of terror and fright yes like he's running for his life whatever he's running from it's it's crucial and so so a lot of people play made comparisons to um get out the movie and there's sure. a scene where where someone's running straight toward daniel Kaluuya's the main character and um mm-hmm. and it rem- it was reminiscent of that but i don't know i'm still wrestling with that what did you think it meant so I think it's symbolic of him as an artist running away from his influence. Huh. So I think it's one of the things where people are following him. I don't think they're chasing him. I don't think they're 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 violent towards him. I think they're following him. And I think he is running as fast as he can away from the influence. Because I feel like there was such an overtone of artists, artists make artists make music for us, but at the same time, they make it for themselves as a reflection of what they're going through. And I feel like he's wrestling with his influence Hmm. in this. He's wrestling with how much influence he has. He's wrestling with how many followers he has. He's wrestling with how art is used at times to be um, kind of a distraction or a numbing mechanism from what's really going on in society. And I feel like every artist has that moment and it's typical within our American context for artists to try to get away from that, to run from their influence, um, just for everything to crush, you know, everything to crush you, the weight of everyone's expectations. And so I felt like he was running from his influence. Wow. And so a, a number of people are like, ah, well, he's, he's being chased by, you know, it's racial terror. It's, and I mean, it could be, but I felt like it was more, I'm afraid wow. of this and I want to run from all I didn't this. know it was going to dovetail into all these other areas, but it reminds me of ta Coates put out a piece in The Atlantic critiquing Kanye West, West's off-the-wall comments. <sighs> I don't know yes. if you read that piece from yes. Coates, but but one of the, the, the parts that stuck out to me was Coates was talking about his own newfound fame. Um, he he won a MacArthur Genius Grant. Uh, his book Between the World and Me just blew up. Everybody read it, everybody loved it. And he was he was talking about the transition of going from this relatively obscure writer and being sort of resigned to the fact that nobody's going to know him, and he was totally cool with that. To to now all of a sudden being much more than a writer to a cultural icon mm. and the voice of you know the present day, right? And people comparing him to James Baldwin and all this stuff. All of this pressure <laughs> right. that comes with that. And so he's he's talking about how how much that shocked him, how much he recoiled from it. But he's also talking about the part of him that wanted that and how, and how yes, that yes. sort of scared him that if he indulged in it, he could then end up like someone like Kanye West, who has sort of just dived headfirst into all the fame, all the popularity, all the positive things that he's heard from people. And now he lives in his own world that is so detached from the day-to-day reality of other people. And so 
connecting it all to the video, you know, it certainly could be the case that Donald Glover feels some of that pressure. And I think it's even multiplied now in the age of social media where, I mean, there's nowhere to hide. There's nothing that you can do that's not under scrutiny. There's no point where people aren't talking about you and every movie that you make. So I can't even fathom what that's like because I don't even think human beings are built to handle all of that. So I think that's, yeah. Yeah, it's poison, man. Famous poison, bro. It is is dark poison. Um, Let's talk about this Kanye thing, man. (laughs) And let's talk about specific, I want to give Kanye his own episode. Part of the reason why I don't think we should record the Kanye episode yet is because I want to see how more this stuff plays out. Um, Because I think he's going to ramp up the antics as it gets closer and closer to the album. So I want to talk about that a little bit later. But Jamar might pull me in uh, to talking about it next week. We might get an episode (laughs) about it. So who knows what this brother's going to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens. We need to zoom out of just this this isolated video, but zooming out, like, it just really strikes me that – so part of it is what you were saying before, like, early – Childish Gambino versus late. And I think part of this is him finding himself as an artist and and being sort of more courageous as as well as informed and all of those things. But it actually still falls in line with what's happening now. There's this proliferation of protest music, particularly from Black artists. And it's really interesting because whenever you have this sort of flowering of protest music, it always goes along with some sort of uh, high point of the black freedom struggle. So, of course, in, during the civil rights movement, you have all of these gospel songs that are being sung, but also you have uh, other other artists, R&B artists and rappers coming out with really what, quote unquote, conscious music, right? Race conscious, socially right, conscious right. music. And, and, and more recently, you have folks like Beyonce dropping Lemonade. You have um, this, this video. You got um, We Gonna Be All Right. Jay-Z, 444. Jay-Z, 444, yeah. Kendrick Lamar and all that stuff. And they're common. All of these folks, there are more and more black artists in particular who are like, we're going to make music that speaks to real heavy, hard realities that we're living through. And so do you think like this video is is in line with that and sort of what is going what's in the air? Um, I don't know. And you know what? The question I've been asking myself about this video every time I watch it is who is this for? Huh? Who is this for? Um, Because it seems like part of it, part of me wants to think and believe this is for us that this is for a black audience. And then another part of me wants to think, I believe this is for a majority culture. Hmm. And who is this for? Like, what do you need? Who needs to know this is America? Like, cause, cause it sounds like you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> it sounds, it looks like you're preaching to the choir. When you tell black people, this is America. Watch it here. We're going to get shot. We're going to get killed. This is America. We know that already. So who are you trying to convince? And why are you t- trying to convince them in this way? And so I- I'm not exactly sure what this falls in line with. <laughs> and I'm not exactly sure. This is what I want to talk about with Kanye. People are saying this about Donald Glover. They're saying Donald Glover is the artist Kanye wishes he was, right? Whoa. Like he 
Don, yeah, this is said multiple times. I've seen it all over social media. Donald Glover is doing what Kanye wishes he were doing and whatever. Number one, I think it's just so funny how quickly we discard people. So and and listen, listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't discard Kanye or, or quote unquote cancel him. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am saying is just two or three years ago, that statement would have been insane. And you see how quickly things move. Like you're, you're up one day, you're down the next. You know, they, what does Lecrae always say? If you live for people's acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. Right. right? And so I feel like that's very telling because we can't, we can't solve a problem by repeating the mistake that we made. So it seems like people are saying, oh, as soon as Kanye is falling, Donald Glover is rising. And so let's prop Donald Glover up now. And it's like, yo, be careful. Like, yo, chill, chill with that. Because that's exactly what we did with Kanye. And now we're so hurt that Kanye turned his back on us. And there is even less evidence. I I would say a a bunch less evidence that Donald Glover is for us, quote unquote, whatever that may mean. We just need to liberate. We need to liberate our minds from this idea that artists are really trying to save us. Yes, yes, yes. I was yo, that's not what they. Yo, no, bro. Like artists are not here primarily to save you. Like, and it, it will change the way that you view art. It'll change the way that you lionize artists. Like, we need to. We need to stop that. We need to remove any sort of elevation that we have. And that's for everyone. I mean, that's yeah. for people like Kendrick Lamar. Um, that's for people like D'Angelo. That's for artists and in, in, in the Christian space like Lecrae, whoever it may be, we just need to liberate this I ourselves from this idea that artists are just intrinsically like this is their one mission is to say and because we put so much burden on them. We do. To we do. to be these these I don't know f- we put so much burden on them to be officers in an underground railroad, right? <laughs> and I don't think that's everybody's job. I don't think that's what everybody is called to do. I don't think that's what everybody is supposed to. I don't think that's what everybody is equipped to do. Kanye's trying to do it and failing right now. He's like, free thinking, free thinking. You don't even have the capacity. You don't have the intellect to really step into different disciplines and understand them. And so it's his ego now because we've told him he's a genius. We've we've accepted the fact when he said he's a god now his 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 ego is saying, "Oh, well, I can do whatever." No, you can't. But we've led you to believe that you can, man. And so some people are following him down the cliff, and then others of us are like, "No, no, no." But he's like, "Nah, you said I was, you said I was a god, so I, I'm doing god things." So you know, so we just got to liberate our minds from that, man. That's just I, I think that's just very dangerous, Tyler. And I, I've been guilty of it myself. You got to you got to slow down for the people, man. You're, you're, I'm sorry, you're, I've, been guilty, thinking, I've been guilty of it myself. No, I'm your sorry. thinking is just like on this whole other level. We're trying to keep up with you, bro. Um, you got so much in those statements. I mean, you're absolutely right. We're looking for a savior constantly. And this is a constant refrain in the Bible, right? We're always looking in the wrong places for a savior, whether it's a politician or a musician or a spouse or a job or whatever. And it reminds me of the book of Judges, right? Like the people of Israel would always look to this judge, this ruler, this leader as the person, and then they'd end up making this huge failure of themselves and leading Israel into destruction. And yet they keep hoping and keep putting their faith in this, this person and not Yahweh, right? So they're, we're always tempted 
to look for the next judge who will lead us into the promised land or what have you. And we're, we're setting our sights too low. We're not looking up to the heavens from whence our help comes. Right. But at the same time, I think there's something understandable when it comes to artists and musicians, because Mm. the art impacts you in a different way. The, The music and the poetry of the lyrics is actually, it's intellectual, but it gets to you at a deeper level, at a heart and an emotional level. And so when folks, when artists are talking about your pain and your struggle, there's a resonance there, whether you're black or white, right? Like, so you asked, who's this music for? Who's this video for? And that's honestly a, a, a question we constantly ask at The Witness is like, who, who, <laughs> yeah, who is exactly. this for? <laughs> who is this for? Like, who are we appealing exactly. to? Exactly. And, and, and for a lot of times, a lot of our articles, we, we were basically um, doing white apologetics for the black experience. Like we were trying to make a case for what we're feeling, what we're going through and why this is important. And while we're doing that, we're not speaking as directly to black people, but at the same time, that's always the struggle. So if you look at folks like yeah. uh, Frederick Douglass or Ida B. Wells or um, James Baldwin, to an extent, who, who are they writing and speaking for? Because they're telling black folks stuff they already know. And so is it just informative to whites? But I think there's something in there. I think that because the black experience or black experience says have been denied so often and so consistently that there is an amen factor when we see or hear someone speak of our experiences and validate them. Like even if we already know it, mm-hmm. even if we already yeah. know it. To hear someone else say it means that what we're feeling makes sense and we're not the only mm-hmm. ones and we can say amen to that. So I think it's it's almost always to both. Um, hmm, that's interesting. I, you know, what, what makes me question everything in my general critique of this video, it's not really of anything aesthetic other than the violence in the video. It's a critique of Donald Glover. Mm. And my critique of Donald Glover is I don't know why he's doing this. Whoa. I have no idea. Whoa. I have absolutely no idea. Why is he doing this? Say more of that. And what evidence evidence do we have that Donald Glover is doing what we want him to do or doing what we think he's doing? Like I've seen a lot of people say, man, look at this. This is just a wake up call to us. This is just what evidence do we have (laughs) that that's his goal? Like we have no evidence. And here's what Donald Glover is adept at doing. Pretty much everything. Yes. Okay. (laughs) He's good at everything. But I tell you what Donald Glover is really good at. He's good at giving us what we want or need in that moment. Like Atlanta fills a massive internal void. Hmm. Like whenever I watch Atlanta, it's like, whoa, this feels not, not a void in the soul sense, but a longing to see a certain type of representation on television in a way that feels true to the South, hmm. that feels true to that area that feels true to a place that I'm familiar with. But I don't know the motive behind Atlanta. It could just be, he's trying to make something awesome. Yeah, He's trying to make something that's dope. He's trying to make something classic. He's trying to win awards. But I feel like I'm, I'm not, and, and I don't come from a school of thought that says artists have to 
to be altruistic, to be helpful. Like, so, you know, when people are like, man, you know, you listen to this or, you know, y'all listen to this hip hop and, and, you know, such and such artist, he said this one line one time, you know, people do that, that game. He's like, oh, you look, well, Kendrick, he said this one line one time. I'm not of the opinion that artists have to be completely altruistic to be helpful because we don't hold real people to that same standard. Like your parents are problematic. Your pastor's problematic. Your friends are problematic and you still rock with them. So I don't, I don't hold that standard, like impossible standard, but I feel like Donald Glover is sometimes just doing stuff just so he can say he did it. Hmm. Hmm. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why I think that before you hop in, let me tell you why I think that I was reading this article um, in the New Yorker and it was properly appropriately entitled Donald Glover can't save you. And it was this really deep profile of him. It was a profile of him. It wasn't necessarily a critique or a think piece. It was, they had spent some extensive time with him. They talked to him. They interviewed him. And listen to what he says here. The writer writes this. He says, is there anything you're bad at as a question to Donald Glover? And then he says this, uh, and I quote, to be honest, no, probably just people. People don't like to be studied or bested. He shrugged. I'm fine with it. I don't really like people that much. People accept me now because I have power, but they still think, oh, he thinks he's the golden flower of the black community. He thinks he's so different. He laughed. But I am, though. I feel like Jesus. I do feel chosen. My struggle is to use my humanity to create a classic work. But I don't know if humanity is worth it or if we're going to make it. I don't know if there's much time left. Dang. Now, I I pulled a quote. And so you can say, yo, you're pulling a quote out of context. Granted, absolutely. Go read the entire thing for yourself. But when I saw that, I was like, man, I don't, what do you mean? Like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's like for us. I think he's doing what he wants to do and what he's capable of doing. Like they asked him at one point, like, you know, or he says, he's like, you know, some people say, oh, you're just doing all this stuff because you're good at it. And he's like, but if you had that power, you do the same thing. And so I'm like, man, are we reading too much into this, brother? Or <laughs> is he just saying, yo, let me ride a wave. Let me let me find a place where I can get in. Like some people are like, hey, he's critiquing trap music. No, he's not. He loves trap music. You find out in the article. Like he's critiquing all these people who are being used. Nah, he put trap people like Young Thug and 21 Savage and Quavo oh, yeah. as ad All up in there, yeah. Yeah, all up in there. Like he's not critiquing trap music. Like that's nonsense. So, so what's he doing? I don't think any of us know. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm sorry. Hey, listen, man. No, yo, you got me on one. That's good. That's you got good. me on one. I mean, that sort of dovetails with with my critique uh, of the video, which is I think it's too open ended. I think it's too open to interpretation. Even if you look at the lyrics, it's very simple, very repetitive, catchy, melodic. The 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 audio aesthetic sounds great, and the video, of course, is rich. But to your point, what is he trying to do? And if he's not clear on it, or if he is really not out to do anything more than, you know, demonstrate his talent through this song, then it lends itself to not just a variety of interpretation, but interpretation that's so broad as to to make the video meaningless, which would be sad, right? I think the other thing that's going on is it's too soon to tell. So you had mentioned how quick we are to throw people under the bus and just cancel them immediately, no matter what 
they've done in the past or whatever. What struck me was listen. Let, let me say this before, but listen. Let me say yeah. this, and I'm not. And I think we should cancel Kanye. Like that's <laughs> what I'm, I'm saying. I think we should. Tyler, it's okay. Tyler I'm, I'm not defending Kanye. He likes Kanye's rhetoric. I, no, I'm not a free thinker. No, I'm not dragging, I'm a critical thinker. Not a dragon energy yeah. too. <laughs> Nah, man, no Dragon Balls, no Dragon Ball Z, but continue, I'm sorry. Yeah, but what struck me was not not just how quick we cancel people, but how quick we elevate people. So, I mean, this brother puts out one video, and within a weekend, in 48 hours, it's got 18 million views. It's got, you know, a million different comments that, that you can follow on social media or in think pieces, right? And all of a sudden, this man is another voice of the generation. And I'm just like, uh... I need to see a bigger body of work. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to see a a, a, yeah. a, a a longer curriculum vitae. You know what I'm saying? Like this one video to me doesn't mean he's all of a sudden like this socially conscious artist who's trying to make a statement with his music. It could be like you're saying, you know, who knows what, what he's doing with it. And it could, it, it might be way less deep than we're trying to make it out, but it probably, t- I mean, the fact that, that we we did elevate him so quickly or many of us probably speaks to a longing that we need to address which is that yeah. you know we're looking for people who who can articulate our sort of groanings right that are that are um inarticulate in a way uh that are that are feelings that we have but we can't quite capture them uh, in in words or express them the way we want to, and so we're looking for people to do that. And I think there just is this this really big collective pain that we're feeling as a nation, but also particularly as Black people. And so maybe we're so quick to jump at videos like this because we j- we're we're grasping for some expression uh, to to articulate what we're going through. I don't know. I think you're right, man. I think we should wait. And I mean, it's not to say that even someone who's problematic can make dope yeah. art and can have good insights. You know, that's just a reality. I mean, we believe the gospel, so we think we're problematic, too. So it's not something that we're looking and pointing fingers at Donald Glover or Kanye or whoever. Like, we're just going to say, hey, I mean, we got we got our own issues. You know, we got our own problems. But I think it's it's helpful for us not to elevate people too quickly. And I think I saw that with this. And I don't know why. But my guess is Donald Glover has his his fair share of problematic in him if you dig deep enough. And uh, maybe we'll see that in a year, two years, three years. Who knows? But that's OK. All our heroes have issues. So it's still a dope video to watch and think about and listen yeah. to. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's still it's still art that's creating conversation. And so even as we critique it, we don't dismiss it. That's a word. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.